Hey, guys. Huh. Check this out. And welcome to Check This Out, a podcast where we take an analytical view of the media that appeals to us as individuals and why. I am Elle, your host, and with me today is special guest and enemy of the show, Lithi Russell. Uh, if you would, please introduce yourself and give us a little bit more about what your deal is. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm Lithi Russell. My pronouns are she, her. Uh, I'm... Terminally online and in the offline world, I am a novelist and a media scholar and occasionally an indie game writer. Cool. So you're bringing something to us that you're passionate about uh, that you could probably talk for a great deal of length, I imagine, about. Um could you tell us a little bit more about it in your own words? Well, I've actually written several academic papers about it. I'm here to talk about the uh, 2018 film Assassination Nation. And uh, I know that title is a mouthful, but uh, otherwise it's been a borderline revelatory film when I first stumbled across it by complete accident while going through the depth of uh, Amazon Prime backlog catalog. <laughs> oh, the dreaded backlog. I mean, sometimes there is something interesting in the uh, in the recommendations I've honestly found most of my favorite films that way just by going down a checklist of everything that was recommended or clicking on random things that sounded interesting. Fair enough. Uh, so I've got some questions here designed to help probe into uh, the sort of enjoyment in your appeal, if that's all right by you. Uh, absolutely. All right. So, first question. Imagine if I was someone who has just been awoken from a coma or resurrected from being frozen in ice. What, like, I don't know, a cucumber magically gifted sentience by some malevolent being. So, I know what media is, but I've never experienced any. How would you explain Assassination Nation without using it or comparing it to anything else? That's a difficult question for the kind of film it is, but I would say uh, it's what I would like all popcorn cinema to aspire to be. Uh, and it's what I would like the future of popcorn cinema and guilty pleasure kind of cinema to be. 
it's difficult to describe it without comparing it to its sort of contemporaries, but it's on its baseline, it is a sort of action thriller, but calling it that doesn't really do it justice. Um, perhaps a little bit of like the starter of the plot, maybe. Um, it's about four uh, high school girls in the small town of Salem uh, who become embroiled or become the suspects of uh, ongoing hacking spree of the sort of dark secrets or just petty little secrets of the adults of the town being exposed on the internet and being as they end up the prime suspects and everyone is all too willing to believe them guilty they eventually find themselves hunted by a veritable lynch mob Ooh, sounds interesting so question two Hypothetically, our positions are reversed, and I'm guesting on your immensely popular and award-winning podcast, and I've just answered the first question with that response verbatim. What is the part that stood out most to you? The semi-adept attempts at sidestepping what... Uh, what the story actually is about uh, (laughs) would be my guess. Hinting that there's probably more to it that would become self-evident without needing to explain or give away the whole premise. Yeah. And there is there is a lot of it that isn't really done justice by talking about the story so much as it is talking about a feeling, talking about a style, because it is, for all its other aspirations, still an immensely stylish film. Uh, and but there, But there is a lot more of a feel to it. There is a lot more of a play with the kind of themes it evokes, the kind of scenarios it evokes, the kind of protagonists it evokes. And it is in that regard very much a film for film buffs and a film for people who want their movies to aspire to be a little bit more. So you you mentioned the themes, which is interesting. Um, What would you say is the biggest theme that runs through it? Teenage feminine catharsis. Hmm. I mean, it's something you don't see a lot of in the, like the multimedia, multi-million dollar landscape is something designed for not the the archetypical male, I guess. It's 
not just not a film designed necessarily for or by the archetypical male because the actresses playing the four main characters uh, had an immense amount of input into bringing their characters to life into shaping how their characters are presented uh, but it's almost downright accusatory at times it's astutely aware of the restraints and of the unjustified and unfair demands that the kind of people it depicts are subject to and it wants you watching it to be as angry about them as it is itself trying to provoke that response in 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 action i guess yeah at the same time when when i say it is a very modern film it's for example one of the first films that i have seen that has and rightfully so because the subject matter does get pretty heavy but it does have a trigger warning reel as part of the film even if you don't see it on a website that has tags or anything it is part of the film to show you mm. flashes of maybe you might want to not watch this it's a li- it's done a little bit tongue in cheek like there is a trigger warning for torture over a snippet of the school principal going this is high school but hmm. beyond that it is a legitimate trigger warning reel in a film that sort of needs one not just because it does get fairly gory but because it gets fairly heavy in other ways but it has it it wants you to know in advance and it's also very good about the way that it handles those subject matters at least in my opinion to the point where for example one of the four uh protagonists uh backs played by the wonderful Harry Neff is a trans woman and she is subject to a degree of transphobia throughout the film but in a way that never once even when she is actively being antagonized even when people intend to hurt her her femininity her gender is never drawn into question just like the film is clearly aware of the themes of race or of gender power dynamics that come into play but without ever crossing a line where it uses the same parlance as the perpetrators I was just going to say without ever like crossing a line on that sort of topics, but yeah. So the officially the question three. Uh, so obviously this is something that you uh, care about and are passionate about. What got you to give it a chance in the first place? Well, like I said, it was recommended to me after I had turned off the... <laughs> Uh, Amazon Prime The Purge TV show 
because it's a little bit on its surface it's a little bit stylistically similar like if you just saw the trailer if you just saw the masks that feature heavily in the trailer you'd be getting sort of purge e vibes from it yeah like the the screenshots of here's what we would suggest next type of thing yeah and uh then i've made it uh my personal sort of professional habitus to give everything that I come across and haven't heard of yet at least a couple minutes of chance. And yeah. at that point, I was already hooked. Well, fair enough. I mean, sometimes it all, all it takes is just the algorithm working for a change. <laughs> uh so question four, for some people, a sense of like-mindedness and community is in- integral to their enjoyment of something. So to your knowledge, is there a community around Assassination Nation? And if so, what are they like? Not to my knowledge. It's usually when I recommend this film to people, uh, people haven't heard it before, even in like my film department. Um so I can't really speak to that. It's not even if you go by Metacritic and IMDb and whatnot, it's not even a terribly popular film. I think it's got like a 5.8 or 5.9 average on IMDb. At the same time, it is a film about young women being angry and fighting to take agency into their own hands to take agency back and it does stand to some amount of unfortunate reason that that's not terribly popular with the average person that writes metacritic reviews yeah it's a shame but at least now it's kind of getting a bit of a spotlight hopefully this is quite popular and takes off um we can all hope so Uh, so question five there are a lot of aspects of media that land differently with different people because obviously people are all different. What was your favorite part? That's a little a little difficult to talk about without spoilers. So for anyone listening, uh, consider this a spoiler warning. There's there's a part at the end when uh, the main character or the mo- the most heavily focalized of the four girls almost speaks to the camera di- speaks at the camera directly and almost verbatim calls for action calls to take their fight outside of the screen and. That is a tremendously good thing, in my opinion, and it is a tremendously powerful thing in the way that it is framed, in the way that it is shot, in the way that without making her larger than life, without making her more than she is, she is imbued with power in all the best ways that film can make the subaltern powerful. 
Similar, like the the dynamic of the art rather than chasing the money. It's certainly. I mean, the film also didn't make money. Let's let's be real here. Yeah, I mean, in I, like the the whole Hollywood sense of it, like not just going after the big bucks. No, it's not. It's def. It's definitely not a safe film, and I enjoy that about it as well. But it is radical beyond its uh ra- radical beyond what i certainly expected going in to the point where uh i outright wrote a paper about this in a seminar about uh revolutionary or agitating cinema <laughs> fair enough so following on then from the previous question what do you think would appeal most to the average person, the the lay cinema goer? I think there is, unlike some of the more difficult to watch art house cinema, it's it sticks with a consistently very stylish and very well-planned, very well-executed, slick cinematic language, the likes of which we're used to from uh, from contemporary, high-budget sort of action films or thrillers. And I'm not going to say that makes it easy watching, because owing to the subject ma- subject matter, especially if you are at all affected by these things, it's not. And if you aren't affected by any of these things, then it's not really easy watching either, but at least on a level of cinematic language, it is a very well-executed film, a very slick, very elegant film. There is, at some point, what I am going to call one of the greatest home invasion sequences that I have ever seen on film, where you see just in a single unbroken take the camera almost circling around a house looking in through different windows showing as this building is slowly taken over by the assailants as people are slowly being grabbed. Uh, It's a very nice film to watch in a way. Even if you're not as intrigued by the subject matter off the bat, even if you are just looking for a very well-crafted, slightly gory kind of action thriller, it does provide that. Hmm. So just off the surface level, it's still an entertaining film? Yes. Fair enough. Cool. So question seven. If I do enjoy this because of your excellent recommendation, what would be your number one follow-up? It doesn't need to be a sequel or anything, just if I wanted something more along the same lines. (laughs) Given the nature of the film, that's not terribly easy. Um, If you enjoy that sort of style... I would probably recommend uh, 2010's Bunraku, uh, starring Josh Hartnett and Demi Moore. 
as a sort of stylistically similar film, if you enjoy this sort of topic and this sort of stylized presentation of these kinds of topics, I would recommend uh, Nicholas Winding Raven's excellent series, Too Old to Die Young. <clears throat> With the slight caveat that while I think that it is a great experience, it is certainly less easy watching. It's more in a sort of art house direction. It's more in a sort of very ponderous style. It's more difficult watching, but it is the closest that I have seen someone work into a similar direction, at least in my interpretation of that series, which given the director's oeuvre might be entirely wrong. Hmm. So, uh, question eight. Sometimes our enjoyment comes from a position of relativity or connection with uh, what we're seeing or experiencing. Did you have a favourite character? And what about them stood out to you? While I enjoy all four of the protagonists a great deal, there is a certain personal connection to Hari Naf Specs, who experiences things in this film that I have to some extent or the other experienced or felt. And mm. to some extent, I wish I could handle them with the same strength and grace uh, that she ends up doing. Fair enough. Uh, I do apologize if that brought up anything uncomfortable for you. Um, no worries. It's something that I have gotten used to, though it was genuinely worth it, but difficult the first two or three times I watched the film. And once mm. again, very much a trigger warning for people who experience transphobia it handles it well but it does depict it and be in the right mindset when you try to watch this yeah that's a fair fair call uh so question nine which will end up being the last one here there are a lot of these types of interviews that lean on the question of what would you bring with you if you were stranded on a desert island? But that's not this show. What we ask instead is to imagine that you're not only stuck on a desert island with no hope of rescue, but the choice of what to bring along with you has been made already, and for you it is Assassination Nation. How often will you revisit this, and how long until you get sick of it? I don't think it's a movie that you really get sick of. It's not a movie you want to watch every day, certainly, but it is a movie that you do not get sick of, or at least that I do not get sick of. It's a movie that 
always certainly after I've combed through it very closely for, as I mentioned, several papers, carries a degree of uplifting strength of genuine catharsis with it. And I don't think it's going to lose that, even if I would probably get bored of it after the 50th time or so. <laughs> I mean, it's, eventually it comes for us all. So uh, thank you for entertaining my rather silly questions, but hopefully that's given people a bit of a deeper insight into this passion of yours. Uh, thanks for having me. So before I completely bring down the show rating with just me being me, uh, it's time for the best part of the show and everyone else's favourite, a word from the sponsors. Thank you, sponsors. Really, you are the best of us. Now, I'm just going to follow up from last episode with my follow-up review of the last episode's enemy of the show and self-proclaimed professional die-rolling failure, Jeremy, who brought to us a recommendation of Strange Days. So, from the very get-go, you basically jamming on the gas and you do not let up until the film is over. There are some down points, of course, but that's only because you're taking a turn at 60 miles an hour over the speed limit rather than 80. It is very, very frantic energy to it, but I still managed to find the connections that he mentioned that... Uh, that I would uh, that I would say that people other than me would also connect with, in that there's the big twists, just the interesting scene and set dressings, uh, and I can definitely see where a lot of his characterization for D and D has come from now, and how formative of an experience that is. So I guess I would call it. Four, four and a half stars out of five. Definitely worth uh, trying to find it, uh, chase it up, look it up, give it a watch. And if you want to know a bit more about it, see the previous episode. And before we wrap up this, the final episode of Check This Out for this recording session and the second time that I've made that joke. Would you be able to tell us a little bit more about where to find you online or if you have anything to sort of advertise? Um, you can find my very occasional lukewarm takes on Twitter at uh, poor underscore humanities. And uh, otherwise, um, for an English-speaking audience, I don't really have much published right now that's worth checking out. I'm afraid most of my publications are in German so far. So there you go, audience, learn German, and then you can find some excellent literature. Uh, so on that note, I've been L. And I've been Lithuania. And this has been Check This Out, a podcast of media pos positivity. And remember, you can always burn that bridge when you come to it.